0: Good afternoon ladies, my name is Anna Grace Wood and I am the hostess of Feminine Fidelity where I'm striving to recover biblical womanhood. Um, today we are going to discuss more about head coverings. Um, I'm going to be sharing some quotes with you. I am going to recommend uh some teachings to you. We're going to uh, delve into it more. Now, I've already discussed on here um, why my daughter and I wear a head covering. But, uh, you know, what I do doesn't matter. Um, Only, it only matters so much as far as I am actually obeying or denying God's teaching. So you don't ever look to someone else and go, "Well, nobody in my church covers, so I shouldn't." and you don't look at others and go, "Well, everybody covers." and certain churches they do. Um, I actually visited one like that, and let that be your reason for doing it. It's a good thing to do, but you need to understand why you're doing it. So what is God's word? What does God's word have to say about head covers? Um, In 1 Corinthians 11, 2 through 16, the Apostle Paul devotes 15 verses to the subject of head covers. There are more verses dedicated to the subject of head covers than there is to the virgin birth of Christ, to the mechanics of baptism, or to our judging angels. And yet we trust God's Word and we believe it concerning those things and i got those statistics from dr michael barrett so thank you sir on that um you know how much space does the lord have to devote to something for us to actually believe it how many times does he have to say something for us to believe well he actually meant this i think it ought to be one time or one verse if the Lord said it, we must believe and obey it. Um, you know, back when the Bible was written, there weren't even verses. There were no chapters. There was just the Word. And um, we follow today uh, the how the Bible was uh, broken down into chapters and into verses, because it makes it easier to look things up. It makes it easier for us to say, hey, let's turn to this passage. But it was just the Word. It is the Word of God, whether it's cut up into chapters and verses or not. And so if the Lord has said something, we're obligated to believe it and to obey it. Elizabeth Elliot said, if I am a Christian, I am bound by what the Scripture tells me to do. And she's absolutely right on that. And whatever it is God has said, we must say, yes, Lord. Okay, now I'm going to read to you what 1 Corinthians 11, 2 through 16 says about head covering. Paul says, now I praise you because you remember me and everything and you hold firmly to the traditions just as I handed them down to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head, but every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. For it is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, have her also cut her hair off. However, if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off, or her head shaved, have her cover her head. For a man should not have his head covered, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For the man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore the woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angel's. However, in the Lord neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For the woman originated from the man, and so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does even nature itself not teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her as a covering. But if anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor have the churches of God. Okay, so Paul uses several arguments in 1 Corinthians 11 when setting forth God's command concerning head covers. He argues for head covers based on creation order, um, because of the angels, nature itself, and church practice. Not once does he appeal to local custom, although this is the fallback argument for many churches today. Uh, they like to say that it was uh, cultural or temporary, or even of no importance. They twist the final verse there where he says, um, but if anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor have the churches of God. And they, I've actually heard it said that, uh, well, Paul is actually saying there, well, this doesn't matter. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Because we don't really practice it. That that is ridiculous. (laughs) Why would God give us 15 verses for something for Paul to to then turn around and say, nah, none of this matters. Um, Paul said that he was teaching concerning the traditions or ordinances that he had handed down to the Corinthians. Paul called his teaching on head covers part of these ordinances that he had delivered unto them. And... Uh, what we need to understand this here is that this means a handing down or over, a tradition, a teaching, particularly a doctrine, by a teacher or other authority to those who are under him. And in the New Testament, an ordinance is considered binding. It is used in other places in the New Testament concerning various apostolic commands. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2.15, 1 Thessalonians 2.15, Thessalonians three six uses the exact words that Paul used in this passage. And it's also used in other places in the United in, in the uh, New Testament. And uh, um, here is a quote for you from Charles Hodge concerning um, Paul talking about this. Charles says, in reference to the rule of faith, it is never used in the New Testament, except for the immediate instruction of inspired men. So, the traditions of the apostles, they're nothing less than the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Thus, the meaning contained within this word is that of being a command. So Paul is expounding upon the commands that he's delivered to the Corinthians. He's correcting their misunderstanding and disobedience of the commands. And the command to women to cover their heads in worship and to men to uncover in worship um, was part of the commands that he's referring to. You know, for nearly 20 centuries, the church universally was faithful to practice head covers. Um, We have documentation, we have proof that the church fathers followed this. We have um, teachings from the Reformers, we have teachings from the Puritans. And, uh, you know, the practice today is still covered, is still um, followed in much of uh, Europe. South America, Africa, and Asia. Um, It's in the Western world where feminism has taken such a hold on our belief systems that we explain it away, ignore it, and choose not to obey it. In the United States, it was the practice until the mid to late 20th century. Now, I'm, I'm not a supporter. Of Billy Graham so do not take this as me supporting his teaching he, was, he taught much that was wrong but if you look back at the photographs that were taken at his uh, meetings back in the 1950s at his crusades you will see that almost all the women are covered. Pictures that were taken at his crusades in the 60s many of the women are covered And in the 70s, almost nobody was covered. Almost no woman. And so what happened during this period of time? What came about? Hmm? The second wave of feminism. And feminists attacked viciously the practice of head covers. And they sought to get women to stop covering. Um... You know, head covers, ladies, it is a symbol of male headship. And feminists hate that. So they saw women wearing head covers as oppression of women that was being carried out by churches and by men. And they believed that it was oppressive and a symbol of male headship, which they despised, which it is a symbol of male headship, but it is not oppressive. And so they fought hard to get women to forsake this, and they were successful overall. Because few women in the Western Church still practice head coverings. Um, the Scottish Free Church practices it. Overall, as far as I know, they all do. Uh, Scottish Free Presbyterian Church Um of course, the, some Anabaptist churches do. But overall, it is simply not practiced. You'll have it like it is in my church, where it's me and my daughter. Um, there's a few hundred people there, and it's just she and I that do it. And uh, um, that's the way it is in most churches, where only one or two or none or just a handful do it. Um, too many We have we have been lied to and told, oh, it has no place, it's archaic, it's old-fashioned, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's a symbol that can easily be replaced with wedding rings or something else. Um, here's a question on the on the wedding ring thing, and I've heard this argument a lot. Um, if wedding rings are the same thing as a head covering, why do men wear a wedding ring? Because God clearly tells men to uncover their heads in worship. Why do men wear wedding rings? I mean, they're going to have to be taking them off any time they go to worship God, if that's the case. If that is the same thing, they, they are sinning by wearing them. Um, you know, when Satan approached Eve in the garden, he asked her, did God really say, and he got her to question God's word, what he had taught her, what he had said to her. And she couldn't answer. She, could, she began to doubt and to question. She had no answer where she could definitively say, yes, he did say, this is what he said, why it's important. She didn't do that. She doubted his word and she questioned God and she fell into sin. Adam followed her in sin. Through Adam, the entire human family fell and original sin. When we question God's word, we're doing the same thing that Eve did. We are falling for Satan's lies. Um, When we question the truth of God's word, we're playing this game. And it's a very dangerous game because God says that his word must be believed and obeyed. Jesus asks us, if you love me, why don't you obey me? You know, so this, this is something we have to keep in mind. We don't want to give ground to feminists because when we give ground to feminists, we're giving ground to their father, Satan. Um, feminism has poisoned our understanding of everything from scripture to marriage to children to sex and everything else. Um, and, and we need to uproot it. We need to fight against it. And the only way to do this is by studying and digging deep and understanding just how feminism has affected our views of these things. If we didn't have feminism, we wouldn't have abortion. You know, because feminists hate hate babies. They hate children. They hate femininity. They hate masculinity. They hate normalcy. They are deviants and they love perversion. So, We've got to get rid of it. We've got to fight it. And we do that. Now, you're not going to be able to go change everybody's mind. But you can meld. You can get into the word. Meld your mind with it. You, you can pray for God to bring your will in subjection to his will. And his will is found in Scripture. Um, In 1968, December 1968, NOW, the National Organization for Women, they said this. They said, because the wearing of a head covering by women at religious services is a symbol of subjection with many churches, NOW recommends that all chapters undertake an effort to have all women participate in a national unveiling by sending their head coverings to the task force chairman. At the spring meeting of the task force of women and religion, these veils will be publicly burned in prote- to protest the second-class status of women in all churches. Yeah, now read, think about that. They, they said they wanted women to burn their head covers. And you know what? Women did that. And it was after that, they, uh, the practice pretty much disappeared universally. Um, Elizabeth Caddy Stanton, I've mentioned her to y'all before, a non-believer, an early feminist, and a suffragette. In 1899, she said, a veil on the head was a token of respect for superiors. Hence, for a woman to lay aside her veil was to affect authority over the man The same customs prevail and are enforced by the church as of vital consequence, their non-observance, so irreligious that it would exclude a woman from the church. It is not mere social fashion that allows men to sit in church with their heads uncovered and women with theirs covered, but a requirement by canon law of vital significance. This is from the woman's Bible where she rewrote it with a feminist viewpoint. Uh, she hated God. She'd been raised a Presbyterian. But she became an atheist. She hated God. She hated His Word. And she is out and out attacking it here. And yet, I've seen Christians celebrate this woman. You, you've you got to know your history. You have to know what happened. Who said what? What happened when and why? In order to fight against this stuff, ladies, it's very, very important that we do. So as the women's movement uh, gained steam, fewer and fewer women wore head covers. You know, that the attack on them started back in the 1800s. Um, and by the second wave of feminism in the 1960s, um, early 70s, you know, it was the they pretty much eradicated them in the Western church. Um, so they they bought the eyes, the lies that head coverings were old fashioned, oppressive, and of non-importance, and uh, you know, they needed men. There were some who did, but they needed men to stand up and say, "No, God's word says this, and this is why it's important." They needed women to do the same, and some did. You had women and men who were fighting against, against banning the practice, against abandoning it. Uh, But we needed more. We needed pastors who understood the importance of it. And it's too late at this point to prevent the loss of the practice. But it is not too late for us to recover it. Um, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm presenting what Scripture says. I'm presenting what um, history can teach us. And, uh, you know, it's up to you and your husband to pray about it, research it. Uh, on my blog, on Femina Sola Gradia, I have a page devoted to head covers. You can find um, the things I'm telling you now listed there. You can find links to articles. You can find an old newspaper clipping uh, concerning the National Uh, unveiling. You can find um, sermons and books and articles and everything else and to help you walk through uh, and learn about what God commands and why it's important. Um, So, uh, what does scripture say? This is what we have to come back to on everything. What does scripture say? Because if God has commanded us to do something that doesn't matter what the culture says, it doesn't matter what your pastor says, it doesn't matter what your church says, it doesn't matter what your family says, it matters what God says. That's all that matters. Now, my pastor does not support head coverings. He preached uh, two sermons on it and he was very anti-against it. He's a good pastor overall. I totally disagree with him on this. Um, the uh, reference he used was from a, an egalitarian um, commentator. And, of course, he is not going to support it because um, the the man he referenced actually supports women in the ministry. And normally he doesn't reference him, but that's where he got his commentary for, for this practice. We can't do that. Um, I'm going to read you something now from R.C. Sproul. And um, Sproul said, the wearing of the fabric head covering in worship was universally the practice of Christian women until the 20th century. What happened? Did we suddenly find some biblical truth to which the saints for thousands of years were blind? Or were our biblical views of women gradually eroded by the modern feminist movement, movement that has infiltrated the Church of Jesus Christ, which is the pillar and ground of truth? It disturbs me that the custom or the tradition of the woman covering her head in America did not pass away until we saw a cultural revolt against the authority of the husband over the wife, not just in the home or in the church, but in the whole of culture. And it frightens me that we're taking our cues not from the scriptures, but from the culture or the fashions where we live. This is why it is important to understand God's Word actually does teach this. And, you know, throughout history, uh, the church understood this teaching until feminists so attacked it, and then they were like, well, I guess it doesn't matter. So we can't take our cues from those who hate God's Word or who twist God's Word. We must go back and say, well, what is the wording in 1 Corinthians? And I have some stuff on my page on head coverings. It's simply called... uh, is head covering biblical that is the page you can find it on Femina Sola Gradia and I have some um, information there to help you to understand why it's important um, how the church viewed it through the centuries and how the the teaching got lost Um, this is a man named uh, Greg Gordon he is actually the founder of sermonindex.net he says It is hard to imagine, but since the 1960s, the church has almost entirely practiced, uh, uh, abandoned the practice of this tradition. Sorry. The influence of secular reasoning, feminism, and liberal theology have led to the uh, questioning and ultimately the casting aside of this practice, and he's talking about head coverings, at large in the evangelical world. Um, Pastor Gerald H. Lewis said, in the last 100 years, a 2,000-year-old tradition has been all but removed from from most Reformed churches by a single controlling element, culture. The doctrine abandoned was the use of head coverings in public worship. The fact remains that even 50 years ago, it mattered very little what church you attended. All women wore head coverings in public worship. Yet today, there are hardly any congregations in the Western culture that practice this with any degree of consistency, if they practice it at all. When you ask the questions, why don't you believe wearing a head covering is biblical? You were met with a uniform answer. Quote, because it was a cultural practice and our culture no longer requires a head covering. The question must then be was, must be answered then, are head coverings cultural or are they a requirement for public, for corporate worship? Um, this is Bar- Bartel Elschout. Um, he says, there are a number of reformed denominations in North America and the Netherlands who now endorse women in church offices. This distur- the disturbing fact is that it appears that in some cases the pathway towards this unscriptural position began with the rejection of the teaching of first corinthians eleven one through sixteen regarding the divinely mandated use of the women's head covering in public worship once the symbol of the head covering was rejected along with all of its theological implications A first step was taken that could ultimately lead toward teaching that women should also be permitted to hold positions of authority in the church as office bearers. The fact is, ladies, that head coverings are tied to um, the creation order. It matters that Adam was created first and out of him Eve, and that Adam was designated as the head of Eve, and man is the head of the woman. Head coverings attack this teaching. And by removing the head covers, ladies, we have said, it really doesn't matter. And we opened up the doorway for feminism to infiltrate the church and say, well, if head coverings doesn't matter, none of this matters either. And so now we have women like Beth Moore. We have women like Amy Bird. We have others who have uh, infiltrated and turned this teaching on its head so that they now get up and teach men in the pulpit. And in some congregations, and some churches, you actually have women as the head pastor. All of this came about because we rejected the sufficiency and authority of Scripture. We have got to get back to understanding that God says what He means. He means what He says, and we're supposed to obey it. I have a lot more that we could cover, but I'm going to stop here for today. Um, and I'll come back, and I'll do more on this, I promise. Um, meanwhile, if you have questions, feel free to reach out to me. Um, get on my blog on Femina Gradia, on the page. our head coverings biblical. I also have written multiple articles on it that are on my blog, and you can find out more information there. Um, I have another episode of my uh, podcast devoted to Why My Daughter and I Wear a Head Covering. It was one of the first episodes I did. I think it's like maybe three or four. So check that out, too. And uh, all things must be done according to the Lord's Word, ladies, and for His glory. And so until we meet again, uh, let that be your mindset. Whatever the Lord says, I want to obey it. I want to do all things for His glory. Y'all have a nice day. Bye-bye.